Welcome to this episode of Profess Hers, a podcast about movies, music, history, pop culture, current events, and literature, all discuss the perspective of women's issues and feminism. I'm Allegra, and right now I'm playing the game Hearthstone. So you're a gamer? I guess. I didn't know that. I mean, I don't think of myself that way, <laughs> but I play video games. So my name is Misty, and I really don't play video games. No one is surprised. <laughs> but I used to, and the game I liked was Grand Theft Auto Vice City. <laughs> that is the least on-brand game <laughs> I could have thought of for you. Like, that has nothing to do with Misty. I think it was one of, like, three games that I owned, so. Okay. And it wasn't mine. It was my uh, roommate's, but hey. I guess. Sure. And then you grew up to have a feminist podcast <laughs> after playing Grand Theft Auto. Wow. People change. That's all I'm saying. People change. So today we're going to talk about uh, women in video games, specifically women playing video games. There are a lot of ways you can approach uh, women and video games. You can talk about the female characters in a game. You can talk about the female creators of games. Um, and about how everybody is treated with respect and dignity and it's been an open playing field. Sure, yeah. That's, gotten along. that's definitely true. But we're going to talk about women who play games. And a little bit about gaming culture. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can't avoid that. Right. And we're going to talk a little bit about Gamergate, which of course involves both women who play video games and also women who made who made video games or designed, built, coded video games. So to me, what's interesting about this history is that it's basically as old as we are. Well, yeah. Yeah, I know. It says history on the show notes here. And you're like, uh, the first date is 1981. That's not historical. So it's kind of history, but not really. I mean, yeah. So were you a kid that played video games? Did you grow up playing video games? Uh, I mean, sort of. There was an arcade in the mall and we had a Nintendo, the NES. We had that in our house. We had Sega at one point. I remember Sonic. We had Sonic. You know, Sega actually did a better job of including female characters in early games. So if you think about like Mortal Kombat, there were a lot of female oh, fighters. Yeah. yeah. Sega did a little bit of a better job with that. I, I guess. What? I was just thinking about all the, the female characters in Mortal Kombat. I, I didn't say what they, they did look like. A perfect job. I just said there were more female characters. If you were a girl and you go to play a video game, you want to have somebody You want to play a girl character most of the time. That's not true, of course, for everyone. Um, but yeah, so they did a better job. Well, tell me about these early video games. So in 1981, Miss Pac-Man was created. Which was basically Pac-Man with a bow on its head, right? Yes. But uh, Pac-Man was the only arcade game being consistently played by girls. At the time, it was pretty easy for people to do research about the demographics of people playing games because they were all playing them in public arcades. So you would just have a research over the clipboard. Just go in and count, you know, boys and girls. So... They were looking for ways to increase uh, female customer base because, I mean, you'd go into an arcade and you'd see it's mostly boys. And so someone would say, how do we get girls in here? Um, the only game girls were consistently playing was Pac-Man. So in 1981, they introduced Miss Pac-Man. And it was the first game with a female protagonist. It's really, really funny to me that we gendered a little yellow ball yes. that eats other little yellow balls. Yeah. It's pretty dumb. I mean, if you would just call the thing <laughs> pack, you wouldn't have had to put a bow on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty dumb. And I mean, I guess it's good that we had a female protagonist. And I guess it's, it's good for girls who wanted to play games. But it does seem silly that pack, that pack person <laughs> had a gender at all. In 1982, and that's the year I was born, uh, 80% of arcade gaming was done by males. And of course, that's mostly boys, teenagers, young kids. But 80% of arcade gaming was male. And by this point, the Atari existed. But most people, if they were playing a video game, were doing it in a public place, not at their home. Probably, yes. Because there were very few games to play on an Atari. Right. In the 80s and 90s, gender divides depended on the game. So Donkey Kong, for instance, was played pretty evenly by the genders. But Defender, do you know Defender? I have no idea what that is. <sighs> Defender was a very early shooting up, shoot em up game. And I it was, played Duck Hunt. Okay. This is not that. So Defender, 95% of players of Defender were boys. Okay. So pretty even on Donkey Kong. Not even, 
I mean, almost exclusively male for Defender. Yeah, that's 95, you said? That's pretty yeah. pretty high. In 1988, Nintendo reported that 27% of NES players were female. And really, at that point, I was six, in case you wanted to know. People who had Nintendos, every kid in the family played. Right. Right. So so even if it was bought for the brother's birthday, yeah. sister's probably still playing it yeah. too. And in 1997, you're going to love this one, Mattel released Barbie Fashion Designer. Oh, good. A very popular PC game played mostly by girls. It's considered an important game in terms of advancing the interests of girls in video games. So making girls more interested in video gaming by appealing to what video game designers thought of as what girls were interested in, which is Barbie fashion designing. I'm torn on this. Yeah. Because on the one hand, I'm happy that they're thinking, what do girls want to do? Yeah. And and a lot of girls were playing with Barbie fashions anyway. On the other hand, yeah. I wish they just would have asked a girl. I mean, maybe they would have gone. A lot of girls would have said they wanted Barbie fashion designer, but then a lot of girls would have said, you know, I want to shoot a duck with a gun. <laughs> I want Barbie to have a, a gun. <laughs> It's a different kind of game altogether. That's Tomb Raider. So I do want to say, and you asked me, are, are you a gamer? All of these terms, unfortunately, are so loaded and fraught that people sometimes are reluctant to use them as identifiers. The term gamer, the term gamer girl, and the term girl gamer. Oh, do you think gamer girl and girl gamer are different? Yes. Okay. So gamer seems neutral. And when you ask me, you just ask me in a way like, oh, you game, like you play games. It seems neutral. But for many people, it has toxic connotations. Gamers have a history of misogyny or at the very least, it evokes a stereotype of like a nerdy white teenager, teenage boy. Of course, gamer girl or girl gamer, can be pejorative, right? It's like a lesser gamer. Because we're adding the qualifier. Because we're adding the qualifier. Plus the phrase gamer girl is a kind of tropey term used to refer to girls who like gamers, who like gaming culture, who associate with gamers, but aren't who, so like, aren't real gamers. The gamer's girlfriend almost? Well, like a gamer girl is almost like a an aesthetic. Ah, uh, Okay. You know, like a skater girl. Ah, okay. So um, the term is used to refer to girls who like to play video games in a way to insinuate you don't really know how to play video games. Got it. It's, I mean, it's all part of the subculture, right, of people who play video games. And because of their highly interactive nature and because we have, we went from arcades where people literally were playing together to playing at home and now we're back to people playing together over Online. the, inter- over the yes. internet, they're very interactive. And so gamers have their own kinds of shorthand and their own kinds of tool or terms and jargon of their own. Yeah, it's a fully developed subculture. Yeah. Yes. So <clears throat> now, of those who play games considered an esport, and not all games can be considered an esport, Misty just made the craziest face. Explain. Explain what? Which part? So games are considered a sport now? Some video games are considered esports, yes. Like, can you give me an example of a game that is? Overwatch. Okay. What makes that one a sport? Uh, People play it in leagues and competitions. Oh, okay. So there are teams. There are Overwatch leagues. They are sponsored teams. They play professionally against other sponsored teams, just like any other sport like soccer, football, basketball teams also like debate well are they sponsored do they play in giant arenas are there competitions spelling bee then that's a sport apparently (laughs) i'm just saying if it's competition it's a team sport okay played in competition in leagues i I think we need a new word televised on espn seriously yes Okay, so this of, is not my subculture. Obviously, <laughs> of those who play games considered an esport, so those games that we would consider an esport, thirty-five percent of female. Okay, so Candy Crush not an esport. No, exactly. This is an important distinction. So the games that are considered esport, thirty-five percent of players are female. Of those who consider themselves esports watchers, people who watch other people play video games. are female. Okay. 
Of those who watch esports leagues, so those are the very formal tournaments for lots of money, 20% of those viewers are female, okay? But casual gaming, that is people who play any game on phones or consoles. So Candy Crush counts here. Candy Crush counts here. That's dominated by women over 66%. So if we include... Words with Friends. Farmville, Words with Friends, Candy Crush... All those, The Sims, all those games. Are The Sims still a thing? Yes. Oh. Uh, plus all the other games. 66% of gamers are female. So we're the majority. Yay. <laughs> that means it's going to be catered to us. And one of the keys to increasing female participation in esports or competitive gaming may be through mobile and tablet devices. I think what a lot of people think the holdup is, is that women don't own the computers or consoles that a lot of the esports games are played on. Okay, this is a real, real dumb question. Okay. Do they have to be played on like special computers? You couldn't play it on your work laptop, but you could buy a laptop at Best Buy that you could play it on. You don't have to like have a super special, but you do have to have certain specs, yes. Okay. I mean, you could probably play it on your work computer, but it would lag and time out and it wouldn't be a very good experience. Okay. So match three games, that's Candy Crush. Got it. Okay. 70% of players are female. Uh, Same with family or farming simulator, 70% female. Okay. So family would be like The Sims? Sims, Farmville, those kinds of games. All other games are played by more men than women. If we take out those three categories, match three, family and farming simulator, if we take those three out, then women no longer dominate. It's more men than women playing video games. So when we say 66%, a lot of that is women playing mobile or females playing mobile games like Candy Crush. Like I'm in line for something at the grocery store yeah, and I pull out my phone just to waste some time. Right. Okay. Uh, 61% of... (laughs) You saw the abbreviation, huh? Yeah, I did. What does that mean? So 61% of females who play massive multiplayer online role-playing games... Oh my God. This is what you must have felt like when I kept saying the All-American Girl Baseball League. (laughs) So massive multiplayer online role-playing game. 61% of women who play that are playing with their romantic partners. That's true for 24% of men. So that can mean one of two things. So these are very popular games. So this includes World of Warcraft. Okay. So like where there's a whole world and you go explore it. Yes. Got it. So that's what it means. Massive, because it's huge, multiplayer, online role-playing game because you're a mage or a priest or a warrior you're playing it you know it's a role-playing game right you're assuming that person's life in the online forum so these are very popular games 61 percent of women who play play with a romantic partner okay 24 percent of men are playing with their romantic partners so that's a could mean two things okay it could mean that it's mostly a game men are interested in and the women who play are playing to share an interest with their romantic partner. All right. But it also could mean that women would enjoy the would and do enjoy the game, but they just need an access point. So for a person who doesn't date a WoW player, it never occurs to them to play. But once they date a guy who plays it and then they get into it themselves, they realize, oh, this is really cool. Have we done any studies on what happens when these romantic pairs break up? Because that would be interesting to be that able would be. to keep playing. It, it would also be interesting to find out how many people meet romantic partners in these games. Because that happens too. And end up getting married. And you could play with somebody who lives down the street and you could play with somebody who lives six states away, right? You, like You just don't Cross, know. Yeah. In okay. Sweden. Okay. I mean, I think you do know. There are different servers. I'm, I've never played WoW. Okay. I play a game that is related somewhat to the characters in WoW, but it is not a WoW game. Okay. So the general rule in terms of classifying video games is that men want to compete and women want to complete, which means that women want to do like all the quests, find all the items, check off all the boxes. and Oh, men, they want a to-do list. And men want to win things. Okay. And that's a and that's just based on what kinds of games and the way the style of play. And I'm going to include in our show notes for people a link to the research to this so you know I'm not just making a bunch of gender generalizations. But I think honestly this is the result of 
gender roles, right? It's not that women are naturally wired to want to play games in a different way. I just think we grow up in kinds of different ways. I wonder if that will change because anytime my daughter sees a tablet or a phone, she's like, I want to play a game. Yeah. So I wonder if those things being more de- more available at younger ages yeah. will skew these numbers in 10, 15, 20 years. Right. And, and that's why I think because boys grow up playing video games, so men are better at video games generally speaking because they've had more practice because they've been doing it for longer right if i had had as much practice as my husband i might be as good maybe not but i might be right sports video games are really interesting they're played almost exclusively by men so nice video games being like madden okay or the nba NBA. 2k uh almost exclusively paid played by men 98 percent wow yeah. Yeah, it doesn't get much higher than that. <laughs> uh, in 2012, the developers of Borderlands 2, which is a game my husband plays, they were criticized for referring to a reduced difficulty option as girlfriend mode. What? Yeah. That is crazy to me. Oh, my God. Girlfriend mode. That's terrible. It's crazy to me also. But I do want to say when I play games with my husband, he does have to put it on the easiest setting. But that's... Specific to us. That's not everyone. So I'm really Does he refer to it as, as girl- wife mode? <laughs> no. But he's married to me, so he wants to stay alive. <laughs> he wants to stay married, so he yeah. knows not to do that. So I will tell you this. Anecdotally, and when I say anecdotally, I mean based on what my husband and brother-in-law have told me. Because they play the big, very highly commercial games, Call of Duty, those kinds of games. And they play them in Xbox Live. So they play them live. They interact with other humans playing. And they say when girls do play those games, guys pretty much immediately say, prove you're a girl. Send me a picture of you topless. There is so much there to unpack. Hold on. My brain just broke. They, they so, say it happens okay, this every is time they play. I can log in and I can choose my character. And I could choose to be male or female? So not in Call of Duty. In Call of Duty, I think most of the characters are male. But you you can talk through your headset. And so... Okay. And your gamer tag might be, you know, a girl's name. Um, or you could just say, you know, I'm Alicia or whatever. So people would find out that you're a girl. And then they would say, prove you're a girl. Send me a picture of your boobs. Or in a game that's not Call of Duty. Yes, you can select a female Avatar. character to play. And a lot of times guys pick the female characters because they have different powers or different abilities or they can do different spells or whatever. And so a lot of times they'll be like, they're playing a female character, but they're a guy. So yes, but yeah, prove you're a girl. Send me a picture of you topless. A lot of B words, a lot of C words. They say every time they play. How When they play in Xbox Live. They say every time. So these are your... Your brother-in-law and your husband. Yes. So you can see the conversations that are happening between other people. Is that how they can see this? So if they're like playing in a group setting, they can all, they can hear everyone talking. Yes. So not only are men saying this to women, they're saying this to women in groups. Yes. That's. It's real funny. So offensive. It's real funny when I listen, because like you can hear like people having a fight like with their wife in the background, like, I'm going to do the dishes in an hour. I'm playing this video game. Like, it's it's funny. It's real people. But yes, they are saying to girls, send me a picture of you topless or calling them names. I just, I don't even know what to say to that. Move on. (laughs) Just move on. So I did read this really interesting research study. I have something to say to this. What? Women, please don't do this. <laughs> please don't. I don't think my I don't think it works. Okay, I hope not. Most of the time. Just I had to say that. Yeah. I don't, needed to put that into the universe. At no point should you feel the need to prove your girl by sending a topless right. picture of yourself to someone on Xbox Live. Yes. So I did read a interesting research study and I'll link it in the show notes as well. And they were actually trying to They were using video games as a way to do research. They weren't actually researching video games. But what they found was that lower-skilled male players were more hostile toward a female-voiced teammate, especially when they were performing poorly. So if you are not as good, if you are a guy, and I'm a girl, 
and we're playing a video game and you hear that I have a lady voice and you're not doing very well, you're more likely to be to take it out on you. Hostile toward me. In contrast, lower skilled players behaved submissively toward a male voice player in identical scenarios. So if we're two guys and I see you're a better player than me, I'm submissive. If I see that you're a female who's better than me, I'm hostile. Yes. And the and the bigger the differential between our skills, the big the more hostile the person becomes. And so what the researchers said is we suggest that low status males increase female directed hostility to minimize the loss of status to kind of reconfigure a hierarchy which results from the entrance of women into the competitive arena. So now I have to compete with you. I find that to be a threat to my understanding of the hierarchy. And it's your masculinity. And to minimize the loss of status, I'm going to respond to you with hostility. Higher skilled players, though, were more positive toward a female relative to a male. So if you are very good at the game, you don't have like a threat to your status and you're more likely to be positive, which means all of those dudes yelling obscene things to you in video games are doing it because you're better at video games or they perceive that you might be and that you're a threat to their status. Again, there is so much there. As higher skilled players have less to fear from hierarchical reorganization. And again, the hierarchical reorganization is from women entering what men perceive as a traditional male Male sphere. Mm -hmm. We argue that these males behave more positively in an attempt to support and garner a player's attention. So higher skilled players are nicer to women, but it's probably because they want their attention. So there's no good news at all in that article. I just want to recap real quick from all of our episodes. Yeah. The sciences are dangerous. Yeah. Sports are dangerous. Yeah. War. I mean, war was dangerous to begin with, but yeah. More dangerous. Um, let's see. What else have we talked about, Allegra? Have we... We've college. Well, we've kind of on and off discussed college here and there. Yeah. All of these things are more dangerous. Mm-hmm. And now you're work, telling don't, me... Don't forget about just the general workplace. Okay. Work, too. Yeah. And now a fictional world yeah. that I am choosing to play on my own free time yeah. is also more hostile? Yes. It's frustrating. And it's... Well, it's a threat to their status and they react with hostility. That's what's happening according to that research study. It just... Like, I don't I'm know a what pretty to tell positive you. person and I try to spin things, but like, come on, man. Here's the thing, Misty. You are already frustrated and we haven't started talking about Gamergate. Oh, good. More fun news. <laughs> Let's talk about Gamergate. So so as we've said, this is, this is a separate issue from the everyday harassment that women encounter in-game. So in-game encounters of harassment, we just talked about a little bit. In 2014, this started. I don't know when its end date is or if it's really even over, but Gamergate uh, kind of began in 2014. It's described by the Washington Post as a, quote, long-term, slow-burning campaign and a digital freewheeling catastrophe. So we're trying to get people away from the notion that it was a one-off event. Right. It didn't just happen once. We can move on. Okay. So most refer to it as an internet culture war. And I'm going to try to explain it briefly but comprehensively. So we'll see. Independent game makers, players, and critics advocate for more inclusion in gaming because of the things we were just talking about and because there aren't very female characters to choose from and because the the games are not welcoming or inclusive beyond gender right we're talking about race or ability or you know sexuality all of those things games are not a very inclusive space well and if the game companies can get more people to play they make more money exactly so game makers, especially independent game makers, because they are often not the typical, you know, 30-year-old white dude bro. So independent game makers especially, but also players and critics advocating for more inclusion in gaming. On the other side of this are angry, angry, poisonous, those are my words. Poisonous, okay. Trolls. So at best... In the very best light, we're talking about traditionalists who don't want things to change. 
who want to just keep on playing the way video games have been. At worst, they are kind of hateful misogynists. And most of them probably in between. Classically, so traditionally, gamers were, and we were just talking about this, young, relatively affluent, or at least middle class, straight, cis, white guys who like guns, nudity, and or dragons, and or all of the above, right? So they're into violence, they're into your favorite game, Grand Theft Auto, right? (laughs) It was fun. Which had violence and nudity, or they're into like fantasy gaming, or all, right? Now the term gamer refers to a much broader group. Many women like to play video games, many people who are older, people basically of all identity groups that we can think of, right? Handicapped, gay, all races, all cultures, all backgrounds, all countries, all languages, most income levels, right? People just like to play video games. This is upsetting to people who want to just play video games the way they've always played video games. And so that's what gave rise to what Gamergate was kind of the climax of this ongoing tension. The Breitbart headline, because that's where we always like to start, is with the Breitbart headline, Feminist Bullies Tearing the Video Game Industry Apart. Right. I remember when that happened. Yes, that's what happened, I'm sure. So it got mixed up with politics, identity, Twitter. It got pretty nasty. And it can be very tempting to kind of dismiss it and say, I'm not a gamer, who cares? right? This is stuff only gamers care about. These are the same issues that we see everywhere, right? We have more inclusion and that starts a backlash, right? right? So in 2013, a female independent game designer made a game called Depression Quest, okay? I'm not going to lie, that doesn't sound like a fun game. So there's about one or two big video games that come out every month. And these are the video games that you see advertised on TV, Games like Call of Duty or Halo. There are lots of other indie games that get released through the console and you just download it. Depression Quest was free. Oh, okay. And it didn't work the same way most games do. It was kind of like an interactive movie or like an art piece. And it was about going through a young adult's depression. Now, why would you want to play it? Maybe because you were experiencing similar feelings and you wanted to feel like you were heard and listened to and you felt like it was speaking to you. Lots of people were really into it, including game critics. It got a lot of critical praise. It got a lot of praise in gamer media. And there are there are video game journalists. Like, that's a thing. That's a job. There right. are people who write about video they review. games. Yeah, they review games. They write about the industry news. And people who write about and blog about games were writing about this game. I think in 2013, blogging was still a thing that was kind of viable. So it started a discussion about what a game is and about what real gaming is. And people were saying, that's not a real game. That's not real gaming. If you're into that, it's not a real game. Um, And so then the game designer's ex-boyfriend wrote a bunch of very long blog posts about how she cheated on him with all of these guys in the video game industry, including a lot of these video game journalists. Oh, so when they're giving her praise, it's not because her game is good. It's because... According to her ex-boyfriend, yes. Got it. Yes. So... I see why he was an ex-boyfriend. Yeah. These are very graphic blog posts, by the way. They're very... And he's naming her name. like He's He's saying her name. Mm -hmm. He's saying she cheated on me. She slept her way to the top. The only reason she's successful or being talked about is because she slept with all of these people. Um, Some people were still mad at the game. Some people were mad that a lady made a game. Some people that were mad that it was a different kind of game. Uh, most people pretended that they were mad because it was a breach of journalistic ethics to say she slept with someone who then gave her a positive review. That's a breach of journalistic ethics. And so people still to this day will tell you that that's what Gamergate was about, was about ethics in gamer journalism. So, ano- so her name was Zoe Quinn. Anonymous hackers posted her, the game designer's, personal information all over the internet. Her home address. Oh, well, let me guess. People sent her lovely tributes to her wonderful game, including flowers. And- yeah, that's what happened. They also posted nude photos. Oh, my God. Of her on the internet. 
dozens of people or people made dozens of what they call suck puppet Twitter accounts. So they just made it seem like more people were tweeting about this oh, like than they really almost were. like bots. So like you made 20 accounts. Okay. And all you did with those 20 accounts was tweet the same crap over and over again to make it seem trending, to make it seem like more popular than it was. People sent her death threats and rape threats that were so specific that she called the police and she went into hiding. She was then accused of faking the threats. Are you kidding me? No. So not only... <laughs> Are we going to harass her to the point where she's in hiding? Yeah. But then when she calls out the harassment, we're going to gaslight her? Right. She's faking it to get attention. This is, after all, just about journalistic ethics. Hello. So the the male critic who the ex-boyfriend said she slept with, right? The person whose ethics were supposedly the center of the whole thing. This whole time, he kept his job. He kept writing. He was not attacked. The website he worked for investigated and found out that neither he nor the game designer did anything wrong. That if they had a relationship, it was after he had written a very brief thing about her game that wasn't really even a review. Uh, and nobody attacked him. Which because is why it which wasn't is, really about journalistic ethics. Although there are people who will still tell you to this day that that's what it's about. Days later, uh, Anita Sarkeesian... She is a feminist game critic. She's a writer, a media critic. She posted a video, and she has a like a YouTube channel. So she posts a video about women and ga- and gaming and gamer gators. Okay, these trolls, gamergate trolls, attacked her online as well. She also had to leave her home for the same reason. They were releasing her address, and she was receiving very specific physical threats. Then two women who wrote about gamergate. Jen Frank and Maddie Bryce were harassed to the point that they announced they were leaving the gaming industry altogether. Jen Frank wrote that Gamergate was really about drowning out the criticism of traditional patriarchal male-dominated gaming culture. They were both then attacked online. And we're talking about highly specific, graphic, disturbing threats. Keeping in mind that their home addresses were now public information. This is just, I don't even have a word for how angry this makes me. Do you want to hear some of the threats? If you have any no. kids, if you have any kids, they're going to die too. I don't give up. They'll grow up to be feminists anyway. Your mutilated corpse will be on the front page of Jezebel tomorrow and there isn't jack you can do about it. Those are just two wow. Gamergate threats. Wow. So no one really knows who they were slash are. They organized on sites like 4chan. Of course. And 8chan. <laughs> Because four chains wasn't enough, I guess. And so people actually attempted to do some surveys of the Gamergate trolls to see who they were. Like, how old are they? Where do they live? Just general demographic information. But those people responded to the surveys with responses like, kill yourself. So nobody knows who they <laughs> Fantastic. Somebody tried to get some generic demographic information and they... They were not successful. So we're going to assume that most of these gamer gators are probably male. I mean, I think that's a safe assumption. That is a safe assumption. There there are some very vocal female gamer gators. Ers. Yes, there are some. So it's not exclusively male. Uh, it's pretty obvious, though, after people have gone back through, that it was being falsely amplified by fake Twitter accounts. So it was fewer people than it seemed like it was. But it was loud and it was obnoxious. And, and it was very, very graphic. Yes. So the industry has been expanding its horizons and some gamers felt kind of left behind in a world that started to turn against aspects of their favorite games. The definition of the word gaming started to change. So now, looking back, about how many years later is that? Five-ish, yeah. Yeah. It's largely understood as kind of a reactionary response to the way the video game industry was changing. From a changing away from a focus on those big AAA mass consumer games to being more widespread accessible more, yeah to having more games more indie games more, more types games of choose, games more types of ja- games and more types of gamers 
And I think it's important to remember that it's not about gender. It's not really even about video games. It's about defining shared cultural spaces. It's about identity. It's about saying who is and isn't allowed to have a voice in mainstream culture. It's about tradition versus inclusion. And it's the same argument you've seen everywhere else. It's the same argument we talked about last week when we talked about women in the military. It's the same argument people had about sports. It's the same argument people had about Black Lives Matter, right? As soon as we try to have something that's inclusive, then someone says, you're taking something away from me. Because traditionally, I've been seating, I've been sitting. Everything has been catered to people that are like me. Exactly, and so it's kind of a perfect representation of 2014 and that era of cultural shift. And I mean, luckily, it is not a lot of people, right? But it was something that affected a lot of people, and most people at the time who were in the industry, so famous women who were considered gamers, famous women like Felicia Day or Olivia Munn, they were. I mean, admittedly afraid to even comment on Gamergate because then they might get forced out of their home and they might have. That's exactly it's exactly what happened. And in fact, Felicia Day wrote a blog post in 2014 saying that she has been afraid to talk about it because the trolls, few in number, have a lot of power. So she wrote this thing about how she didn't want to be afraid and she wanted gaming to be fun and inclusive. And the very next day she was doxxed which means all of her personal information was released online the very next day. So yeah, I understand where they'd be scared. I'd be scared. Yeah. People were just afraid to talk about it. And so it was hard to kind of wash it out of the system because people were just, they were kind of allowed for a while to run rampant. rampant. Yeah. 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 Tell me it's getting better. Uh, (laughs) So one, one thing that, one gauge for whether it's getting better is women in the game. So female characters in the games. About 10 years ago, 85% of playable characters were male. It's more like 75 now. Yay. Progress. And often these female characters exaggerate gender roles, stereotypes, and negative tropes. So they're still wives, mothers, girlfriends. They're still, if they have roles, they're still things like healers or nurses. And we see lots of body diversity. And we see... They're all very traditionally drawn for the most part and they're still mostly white and they're still mostly over sexualized and underdeveloped so we're still mostly thinking about them in physical terms and not really in character development and there are some games where it's better and there are female characters who you can play and those characters get a lot of development and i mean i know that my husband plays some games where he chooses to be the female character because she has different powers or abilities and she does get a certain degree of character development so it's not true for all games right but generally speaking i mean they're over sexualized and underdeveloped yes hooray (laughs) all right so i do have friends that play world of warcraft okay Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. What, are, what are they doing associating with the I honestly of you? do not know. And they're the kind of people that go to Comic-Con too. So since I know people that play this game, mm-hmm. I want to hear that it is inclusive and that it is a model for other video games to follow. Please so, tell me that's the case. No, it's not. A lot of women do play WoW. WoW so is that a, how I abbreviate that? Yeah, WoW. It's okay. World of Warcraft as well. Who doesn't know that? Come on now. So a lot of women do play. And it is uh, one of those massive multiplayer online role-playing games, MMORPG. Uh, and it's probably the most popular. It's been around for like a long time. Long, right? long time. Yeah. So it's made by Blizzard. And Blizzard also makes Overwatch and Hearthstone, which is the game I play. So I don't play WoW, but I got some information for you from a website called Black Girl Nerds. Okay. And from this is a firsthand account of a World of Warcraft and its women problem. Here's some quotes. The main reason I stopped playing was there were no longer characters that I could find myself connecting with anymore. WoW has a severe case of gender inequality. And according to this blog post, there are plenty of female characters, but they don't have depth or development. Their stories aren't central. Anne Stickney of Engadget created a term called a barnacle character. That sounds positive. (laughs) Which means a character whose entire existence is dependent on and wrapped around the existence of another. So the women 
So the women in World of Warcraft have been subject to bar- being barnacle characters time they and time the again. They story of the males right. rather than have their own independent story. And typically for the female characters who are barnacle characters, they're created explicitly to become the love interest of someone else. Of course. So the character I want to talk to you about for a minute is Tyrande Whisperwind. Sure. Okay. So Tyrande Whisperwind... <laughs> That is the most ridiculous I don't, name. I don't know why I couldn't find one with the normal-er name, because there are some characters in WoW with normal-er names, but sure, I'm going to go with Tyrande Whisperwind. She's supposed to be a high, pri- high priestess and a leader of her people. So she is supposed to be, in the story, a very powerful character. She has spent the entirety, almost the entirety, of everywhere she appears, in the books, in the game... Being a yes, there are books. Okay, that was my next question. (laughs) As a catalyst for her husband Malfurion Stormrage, (laughs) what is happening? I know. After reading it and then thinking, I didn't think about Misty's face. Malfurion is a pretty cool character. Anyway, she has no singular story, no meaningful investment in the game, and really is there to service the storyline of her husband. This is starting to sound a whole like like the comic book episode we did. Yes. Yes. In the most recent expansion of the game, she spends an entire quest line. And of course, I mean, it's information from Black Girl Nerd. So I don't know what a quest line is, but I'm guessing it's like a story arc. Worrying about her husband and searching for him. That's literally what she does for the whole story arc. She worries about him and then she searches him when he goes missing and there's clearly more important things for a high priestess to be doing, but she's just worried about Malfurion the whole time. Okay. Yeah. So in the last two years, I will tell you, WoW has been making some attempts at developing female characters and making those characters more essential and central to the game. So they've heard the criticism. Yes. And they're trying to fix it. Yeah. And there's a the, the senior vice president of story for the company is a female, is a woman now. And there, and there is an intentional effort to develop some female characters. And of course, the characters from WoW are also characters in Hearthstone. And so one helps the other. One helps the other. And of course, they have all of these other things. They have books and they have media. So the more, you know, important female characters they have company wide, right? It has a company wide effect. The experiences of women who play WoW are pretty standard. What do you mean by that? Do you mean like they're treated equally? or no. do you? Okay, no. So here's what happens to most women who play. Fantastic. If people know that you're a girl, so again, you don't have to play as a girl. You right. can be a guy who has a female character. You can be a girl who's a male character. Um, but if they know that you're a girl, then you get a lot of unsolicited attention and a lot of creepers. There are, again, people who meet inside the game and end up getting married. So there's some genuine, like, flirtation and conversation and getting to know each other. There's some of that for sure. But there's also a lot of unsolicited, what we might call, like, harassment. Yeah, or, you know, the online equivalent of being whistled at while you walk down the street. It is amazing <clears throat> that women do anything. <laughs> it is amazing we leave our homes, that yeah. we go online. And your character can be a lot of things. You can be a priest, a mage, a hunter, a warlock, a paladin. You can be any of those things. These I know because they have these same things in Hearthstone. But uh, people mostly expect female characters to be healers. Even though you can be anything, they expect if you're a woman, you're going to be a healer character. Uh, And lots of women players report men assuming they need help. Oh, just because you're a girl, obviously. Even when the girl is clearly the stronger or higher ranked player, the men still think that you need help. So I just want you to imagine unsolicited attention and flirting, gender-based career path expectations, and mansplaining. I mean, honestly, sub any of the previous episodes we've done in here. Yeah. And uh, it all fits. World of Warcraft is not a fantasy after all. (laughs) No, it's a nightmare that we live every day. (laughs) (laughs) And so I do want to say, again... That most people who play video games are cool. Most people. Hashtag not all men. <laughs> well, I mean, the truth is most people who play are, are just cool. playing. And they're just escapism They're and whatever. happy to join guilds and leagues and groups regardless of your gender. They want to play. It's very, uh, they all help each other. 
right? When you watch people play online with strangers and they help each other out of a battle or they help each other complete a mission and they just all want to have fun together. And most people who play are kind, gentle, decent human beings. I mean, I know lots of people who play video games. I know lots of people who play WoW and other games. I mean, I don't want to say you get into WoW and every dude in there is a creeper. That's not true. Right, of course. But there are creepers. It's not a fantasy. It's not an escape from misogyny. You don't get into WoW so you can avoid the patriarchy. The patriarchy is there too. It follows. Yes. <laughs> but I do want to talk to you about the frag dolls because they're pretty cool. I'm ready for anything positive at this point. <laughs> Go. Okay, so game publisher Ubisoft okay. in 2003 hired a woman named Morgan Remine um, to run activities like in-game tournaments and promotions. And she got... Almost what does that mean? What do you mean? What is an in-game tournament? Like a tournament inside the game. Like if we're playing a game of, I don't know, let's pretend, arrow shooting, right? Let's have a tournament inside the game to see who the best arrow shooter is. Okay, I didn't know that was a thing that happened in video games. Yes. Okay. So pretend anyway. Pretend I'm five. Explain it like I'm five. Five-year-olds would understand this better <laughs> than you actually. Thanks. So she immediately started getting pushback for her gender. People, she said, people would be like, whoa, there's a girl playing Ghost Recon, like immediately. When she told her co-workers about the pushback, a lot of them laughed. And one- Because they didn't see the problem? Well, one of them was like, can't be that bad. So somebody made a joke that it would be funny to form a group of like hardcore female gamers who could kind of blow everybody out of the water. So like a special ops gaming group? Yeah. So she took that joke seriously i like the story so far she took it to her boss nate mordo and the public relations manager at ubisoft michael beetle and the three of them put together a team of truly talented female gamers who would be good for girl gamers in general and of course for the company right because they would do promotions and they would do tournaments and they i mean they did it's a publicity yeah i mean they did it to make money but it's still cool so in 2004, the three of them co-founded a group called the Frag Dolls. Okay. So frag is something you do to a computer. Yeah. Or defrag. And then rag doll. So there's the pun. Um, <laughs> we like puns here. As a team with the mission to encourage more women to play and support those who did. So that's pretty cool, right? That yeah. started in 2004. They were paid around $20 an hour. Wow. To juggle a variety of tasks. So training, competing in like Rainbow Six game tournaments, writing blog posts, creating promotional videos, going to conventions. Most of them work remotely because it's, you know, you're playing a video game online or you're writing a blog post or you're, you know, doing something I'm just imagining like a cubicle farm (laughs) where everybody's (laughs) playing video games. They're mostly working from home for about $20 an hour, except when Ubisoft flew them to competitions like we were talking about or conventions. And since they were hourly workers, the Frag Dolls financial stability was very cyclical, right? There were busy times and there were slow times. In 2006, they became the first all-female team to win a mixed gender esports competition. That's cool. Uh, they took, and Rainbow Six is like a very military game. It's a very male dominated game. And they won that tournament in 2006. I bet people were not happy. No. And this is about the same time that Twitter became very popular. And they were one of the most popular early accounts. They had over a million followers in 2009. So they were kind of very early online influencers, the Frag Dolls. So a lot of girls who were into video games were very excited by the frag dolls. Some people still had questions. They were all very traditionally feminine looking and traditionally attractive. They all had long glossy hair. They In the pictures that they took, they all had perfect makeup. And so it was like, oh, I can relate to female gamers, but they don't necessarily look like I do or like my friends do. Romine, so Morgan Romine, who was the the first member and one of the founders of the Frag Dolls, now has a PhD in cultural anthropology. So she now can exp- has her own theory about why the group wasn't very diverse. And she said it was the first time that there was a really public group of female gamers and that it was so public was a barrier for a lot of people. Uh, she said she knew and they all knew they were going to be subjected to comments and publicity and comments. So some yeah. people might have opted themselves out. Commentary 
from a community of people pretty notorious for judging women based on their appearance. And so women who were not super confident and super traditionally beautiful may have opted themselves, yeah, self-selected out of the process. So she thinks the applicant pool wasn't diverse because of people's kinds of fear of harassment. And so that's why the group ultimately wasn't very diverse. So it lasted from 2004 to 2015. Oh, okay. So not very long. Not very long. And the whole time it was hotly debated. Did they really have talent or were they just like hot girls who were publicity Is it a publicity stunt? Yeah. Yeah. Even though they played in public tournaments and everyone could see that they were good at video games. Um, A lot of people wondered whether an all-female team was necessary or whether it set female gaming back because they were making themselves a special group. But according to the girls who were in the Frag Dolls, it was really just a diverse set of women um, giving confidence and career opportunities in a time when very few other organizations would even admit that women played their games. Right. And they crushed expectations. And that's something that they really enjoyed doing, was showing up somewhere and ha- people assuming that they were going to be dumb or not very good at video games, and then they beat everyone who was there. So they would be good for girls. Exactly. And she said, I felt really empowered because I felt like I was breaking stereotypes. Um, and so, again, it lasted only 11 years. In May of 2015, Ubisoft announced that it was dissolving the Frag Dolls. They kind of turned well, so it. So their reasoning being that they didn't need it anymore. That okay. Their reason officially was that women had found their footing in the games industry, and it made an all-female group unnecessary. This is the year after Gamergate started. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, sure. One of the one of the women who was in the Frag Dolls made a goodbye video because again they're they're pretty popular online so they have their own followers and she said we can count it as progress that girls playing games is no longer the source of surprise that it once was but still every single one of the former members says that the group they wish the group was still around um, not only to act as a public image for women who game but also to funnel women into paid positions in the gaming industry. Okay. So a lot of those women who were frag dolls ended up with careers in gaming because they were either professional. I mean, they went into professional playing or game development or PR. A lot Consulting, of consulting. Yeah, sure. a lot of them got full time professional jobs in the gaming industry. Um, so they were funneled through the frag dolls, and so not only making women who game more popular and more acceptable, but, but also that pipeline. giving yeah, creating that pipeline. So. Um, everybody wishes it was still a thing, but unfortunately Ubisoft didn't want to invest in it anymore. I was like, yay. Yeah. Aww. But I want to talk to you about esports because I know that you think it's real dumb, generally speaking, but it's actually very- I didn't say that, just so we're clear. Your face did <laughs> say it though. But people can't see that. But I can, and I feel compelled to report that Misty <laughs> thinks it's real dumb. Okay, so, so esports- do you need me to explain anything else to you about it? I, I feel like I got it. Okay. It's it's video games as competition. Leagues, tournaments, competitions, yes. And here's the other thing that you might want to know. Many colleges and universities have esports teams. And lots of colleges and universities offer full ride scholarships for competing in esports. I once kicked a girl out of my class because she hadn't done the reading because her Quidditch team had practice. Okay, this is not Quidditch. If somebody came to me and was like, I have to miss class because of my, I, I, and before this, I would not have respected that. So I, I'm glad. It that is the same as saying I have to miss class for softball. I, I'm glad I know that now. Okay. Before I did not know that. So Stephen- I learned something today. <laughs> I hope you learned more than one thing today. Uh, Stevens College in Columbia, Missouri is the, f- was the first all woman school to announce a varsity esports program supported with scholarships. Uh, I will tell you the University of North Texas, which is one of my alma maters, has an esports team with scholarships. They have an esports gaming arena. They compete in tournaments. Can you imagine going to the board of a college and being like, hey, this is what we're going to do and convince a bunch of people elected to the board in the 1970s that we're going to start giving out scholarships? You just have to tell them it's money, 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 baby. 
So according to the Stevens College website, Overwatch, that's the game that they play, was selected as the game for the esports team because of its diverse and strong female characters. So they only pick one game. Most teams play one game, yes. Okay. Since Stevens College is a woman's school, their Overwatch team will be all female as well, making it the first all female students student esports team. So esports is similar to professional sports. There are collegiate teams. There are professional teams. Okay. So collegiate teams are students who are playing as part of a college team. And they feed into and possibly professional play. Also, there are like 15-year-old professional players. Yes. What? Yeah. Okay. If you're good, you're good. Sure. So yeah, you can play for a school or you can play for a sponsored team. Yes. So you don't necessarily have to go to a college team to get into esports. No. Okay. No. So it's a little different from yeah. like... But if you... If you are into these games and you're very good, but you also want to go to college and get an education, it can be a way to either get a scholarship or at least be an extracurricular activity. Or to find a community. That you do with friends. Absolutely. All female esports teams already exist. They have them in the games Counter-Strike and some others. Gender segregation is not required in esports, so you can have mixed gender teams. You can have all male teams playing all female teams. There That's is not gender separation for most esports tournaments. Yes. So the reason you haven't heard of it is esports is relatively recent, relatively modern. Um, I mean, to you, it would be extremely recent. In yes. <laughs> but the industry is expected to grow to over $900 million this year. And major networks like ESPN and Turner now regularly air tournaments with prize pools rivaling some of the biggest events in traditional sports. Okay. Its audience is typically male and typically millennial, so people in their 20s and 30s. There are signs that it's becoming a little bit more diverse. Some younger and some older fans are starting to watch, of course, women, um, and it's starting to become less and less white. Uh, there's still a lack of professional female gamers, but and as with most industries, because there aren't very many women doing it, not a lot of women want to do it because it's not considered to be very welcoming or very accessible for female gamers. Uh, given all of the things that we've just talked about, right, I do you want to be the yeah. only woman on an esports team? Do you want to be the only woman or one of few women in a tournament? So... Again, the more women who join, the more the environment will shift and the culture will shift and it will be more accessible to more women. I mean, a lot of the, there are a lot of issues with a toxic environment and a lot of players getting fined for using anti-gay slurs. Oh, okay. So there's consequences. Oh, yeah. It's just like sports. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know, actually. So if you're a professional player and you... This happened to two players from Dallas, actually. They were fined for using, one of them was using anti-gay slurs on his personal stream. So he didn't do it in the professional game. He was doing a personal game stream. And another was suspended for four matches and fined $4,000 for using a an emote, which is, I'm not going to explain it to you, in a racially disparaging manner on the league stream and on social media. So um, the Overwatch League broke its contract with someone um, after per- after he tried to pursue a sexual relationship with a 14-year-old fan. Whoa. So those are just three instances of male gamers kind of exhibiting toxic behavior and being um, penalized for it. That And that last guy was kicked out of the Overwatch League and the other two were fined and suspended for a certain number of games. But, um, you know, there's a lot of toxicity, but it's they're trying to police it as well as they can. Okay. There's only one woman playing in the Overwatch League. The Overwatch League is the biggest league in esports. Okay. Um, and she's very, very good. She's very competitive. She wins lots of things. But people constantly accuse her of cheating because she's a girl because she's a girl yes well fantastic that blizzard who owns overwatch i mean they can tell if you're cheating right they can see what code you, you know they're, right they're accusing her of like using uh, it's called aim botting but they're accusing her of like running a code to automatically aim the weapon so that her shots are always right on oh, okay and so blizzard confirmed that she's not cheating and of course blizzard can tell because if she was running a certain bot they'd code, be able to see they'd it be able to tell and so they've said 
She's not doing it. She streams herself playing the game so that people can see that she's not cheating. So she goes to all of these links that, of course, most people don't have to go to right. to prove that she's not cheating. Um, and sometimes she has to wear a mask. What? To remain anonymous because she's trying to avoid harassment. Yes. Yes. Okay. I don't even know. Okay. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Let's just cover our faces. Great. So I will say it's it's not really great news. No, it's not. Um, women are increasingly becoming part of online gaming communities. That's good. And gamers now watch each other play. So that's a thing, streaming your games. So people watch each other play video games. And sometimes that attracts a large audience. Sexual harassment is commonplace in those online communities. And while women can shrug off you know, name calling or idiotic remarks. Sexual harassment is harder to ignore. Yeah. Especially when it's targeted, when it's personal, when it's about your body. Well, and some of those and when ones people you read before. You. Yes. I mean, that would be well, hard to. Obviously, physical threats yeah. cannot be shrugged off at all. But women who participate in research studies say, okay, fine. Somebody calls me a name. Somebody says something stupid. That's one thing. Because, I mean, f- number one, for the record, Everyone who plays video games gets called names because there's just people who play video games who are idiots. A survey of 293 women who played video games online found that even after the game was over, the women said they continued to think about sexist comments, rape jokes, and threats. So it is, it's psychologically damaging. damaging to women who play. It would be interesting to see that same study about men to see if they think about what they had said yes. to people. I would like to see the counter study so, to that. So this was a study done by Ohio State University, and the lead author of the study said most women players understand trash talking, and most women players understand having their playing skills insulted, even if nobody likes that. What disturbs them is being targeted simply for being a woman. They don't easily forget those comments and continue to think about them when they're done playing. Because there's a difference between just trash talking somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Get out of here, loser. And Yeah. Yeah, a a rape threat or a physical threat or words that are demeaning toward women. Yeah, absolutely. There's actually a team, you're going to love this, of elite female gamers. They're called bully hunters. (laughs) Okay, I do like that. And if someone is a victim of sexual harassment in a multiplayer video game, uh, they go in and beat up the offenders in the game and... Through the sheer force of unmatched skill. So if somebody is being harassed in the game, they go in and they just beat them. They just whoop them at the game. Wow. Yes. I do like that. I knew you would like that. And if you were good at video games, you would join. But I'm not. Not at all. So women are increasingly visible, increasingly successful in video gaming. And companies are doing a better job. Not a great job. Not even a good job, but a better job of well, making... Well, the bar was pretty low before. Yeah, of making the games more inclusive, more accessible, uh, and more relatable for women. But it's still mostly a masculine domain where women don't feel necessarily safe in terms of playing... So it's not even about feeling welcome. It's about feeling safe at yeah, this point. absolutely. Despite improvement, women gamers remain underrepresented... Not so just in terms of the female characters they can play, but also behind the scenes in terms of game development, who's writing games, coding games, creating games. And that's pervasive in the broader tech industry. And as we say in most things, progress, if had, not perfection. If we had more women making games, if we had more female characters in games, then gaming would be a better space for women who want to play games. Right. Yes. And of course... It's also the responsibility of men, like my husband and my brother-in-law, who play video games. To make it a safe space. To make it not okay when people are making those comments in the game. Now, is one dude saying, hey, man, that's not cool, going to necessarily get that guy to stop? Probably not. But is someone saying, hey, man, that's not cool, going to make the woman feel a little bit safer, more protected, and more welcome? Yes. Well, and it's about changing culture. Exactly. And, and changing culture happens one person at a time. Bystanders are important in changing exactly. the culture. Absolutely. So I think 
man, like everything else we've talked about, right? Yeah. Like it, it's getting better. Yeah. Right now, 23% of the people who work behind the scenes in video games, 23% are female. And that's, of course, less impressive when we start talking about women of color. Right. Yeah. I think, again, I say this a lot. I feel like the generation after us, <laughs> I hope, will have more representation and better representation than we have. I mean, I mean, it can't be worse. Well, I guess it can be because it can be what it was 20 years ago. I don't know when we were in college if I knew anybody like majoring in game design mm-hmm. or game graphics. Mm-hmm. And I have several students now that are doing that, men and women. And there is a pretty viable career there. Yeah. So I feel like pushing people into those fields of mm-hmm. study will help this. And I feel like women going into those are going to bring in a new voice. Women are going to continue to make places that they feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I hope it. I hope this increases and I hope it gets better. Like the number of women in gaming, I hope it increases. Yeah. We've come a long way from Miss Pac-Man and Barbie fashion game. Yes. And we've come a long way from the only female character you can play is in Street Fighter. Um, so, I, I mean, I think there are lots of good things to celebrate. And I think there are a lot of cool women doing great things in terms of game design, in terms of esports, um, and in terms of making the culture more accessible for all women. I think it's just like most things we talk about, like, it's incremental and more people like us have to talk about it and more people who play games have to do something about it. Right. And we'll just inch along until we get to a place where we feel like we can really celebrate. I don't feel like we're in a celebrated celebratory place yet, but I think that we are. But you see signs pointing to it. And there are people trying to drag us backward, but there's always going to be those people. And it's just like I said, you know, Gamergate is about, resisting a cultural shift right right it's It's reactionary it's it's about reacting to inclusion and so we just have to keep making the right people mad and keep making all people feel like this is a place where you can where if you want to play you can you can and it's safe and it's fun and we can all get along and the the best things about video games, which are cooperation and teamwork and skill building and all those kinds of things, are things that everybody can benefit from. Right. What's next in your lady life, Misty? So I'm leaving again tomorrow. <laughs> this time I'm going to New York for a family <sighs> wedding. June is a bunch of travel for me. Yeah. So I got to go home and pack. You, you're leaving tomorrow? You haven't packed? Not yet. I just uh, got home from Florida. I really respect that about you. What's next in your lady life? Uh, I'm, I'm going to Galveston soon for a family vacation. And, of course, we're moving at the end of this month. So maybe I should start packing because <laughs> yeah. I'm just I'm not just going on a trip. I'm moving my whole house. Yeah, that's a nightmare. It's, Have fun with that. You want to come over and help no, me? No. Okay. I, I just did that a couple months ago. Never doing it again. I'm going to die in the house I'm in now. In the house. In the house. Okay. Thank you for listening to this episode of Profess Hers, our podcast about seeing movies, culture, and history through our lady eyes. I'm Misty, and really the only game I play online is Domino's. I I don't even know what to say about that. It's just weird. And I'm Allegra, and I always play Hearthstone as a hunter. We'd love to hear from you what you thought about today's episode, what you'd like us to discuss in future episodes, or how great you think we are. To connect with us, you can follow us on Twitter at ProfessHers, P-R-O-F-E-S-S-H-E-R-S, or by email, same address, ProfessHers at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you to everyone who has been listening, commenting, liking, and reviewing our podcast. Please keep doing all those things, and we hope you recommend our podcast to a friend or a warlock. And remember, play like a girl. Thanks for rolling your eyes when I said warlock. <laughs>